We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, September 22nd. I'm Jake Letarski, here today with Eric Katuri. You can find me on Twitter at Jakeski52. You can find Eric at ETCat30. Eric, had another 2-3 and three week this week myself, primarily thanks to Mike Evans. How did you fare in week two? Actually, I uh, went undefeated in the four leagues. Had a boy. The season-long ones, at least. Uh, you know, okay in daily fantasy, too. You know, mm-hmm. did at least cash in the 50-50s. Yeah, I had too much faith in Sam Bradford this week to uh, cash in any of my daily fantasy lineups. I thought I was going to be able to profit from that, but not not the case for me. Luckily, I spread the wealth of the QBs. I, yeah. I really wanted to do the Bradford thing mm-hmm. almost everywhere. but Yeah, I should have yeah. used Carson Palmer a little bit yeah, more that, often. That one that helped. Been, that would have been the best play. <laughs> I know I, I did recommend that last Thursday a little bit, but yeah, not working out. Did you do uh, did you do Survivor this week? Did you get bounced by the Saints like everybody else? I actually, let's see, I was bounced by the Titans. The Titans. Yes. Dang. Yeah, all right. So rough week, week <laughs> for Survivor all across the board in, right in week two. It was really just a w- weird week of football, I thought, for both college and pros when it came down to it. A lot yeah. of, a lot of uh, 
unorthodox thing is happening. But anyway, moving on here, we're going to do our Tuesday waiver wire edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll start off by recapping Monday night's football game between the Jets and the Colts. Then we'll do a position by position analysis of the hot waiver wire pickups heading into week three with a lot of fab and waiver wire deadlines coming here Tuesday night or Wednesday evening as well. One final reminder before we get going, this podcast is now available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Thanks in advance for any and all positive reviews. We really appreciate that. Moving on to Monday Night Football, we had the New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts, and what was an eye-opener for a lot of folks in that game, Jets coming away with the big-time road victory, winning 20-7, to going to 2-0 and on the season, whereas the Colts now sit at 0-2, probably something not a lot of people uh, expected. Where do we even start with the, the analysis of this game? Uh, what went wrong for Indianapolis? Yeah, so Andrew Luck didn't seem like he was in sync with anybody, and he was maybe hindered by the fact that uh, T.Y. Hilton was dealing with the knee bruise. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to take that into effect. But, you know, even if the line wasn't giving him, you know, a lot of opportunities, like he he was still able to bounce back in previous seasons, the first three seasons of his career. Mm -hmm. But he just looked like at times that he didn't have it. Yeah, he was. He's always been a late game performer. At least I see that he, the yeah. Colts tend to get behind, and then he charges these ridiculous comebacks and ends up with really great fantasy games. However, in this one, turning the ball over four times—that's losing eight fantasy points in a whole lot of leagues. So you're really just breaking even, or maybe a little bit. I mean, he, he's getting single-digit points in most formats here, mm-hmm. only throwing for 250 yards and one touchdown. Now, do we push the panic meter on luck just yet? I, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm ready to. I think if I was redrafting today he'd still be top five in my book maybe even as high as number two but how worried are are you and and where would you draft him if you redrafted today well let's see he has Hilton who's you know dealing with injury he has Andre Johnson who Mm kind of looks washed up at this point Mm -hmm. um let's see Dante Moncrief is looking uh, like the best target in that offense right now yeah he's he's basically as fast as uh you know who was the previous wideouts in that system uh Pierre are so wild back, you know, um, guys like that. Yeah, yeah. So like he, I don't know. He doesn't seem though as in sync as you would want him to be. But you know, he's still young. Um, Dwayne Allen is actually dealing with an ankle injury, so that's going to be something to watch during the week. Mm-hmm. And Kobe Fleener's only been targeted once so far this season. Yeah, that's that's mind blowing to so, me. You think they'd have that Stanford connection a little bit more, and, but uh, not showing up so far this year. So they actually, you know, rode Frank Gore a lot early in this game. He had, I think, 33 of his 57 rushing yards in the first quarter, and then they didn't really go to him much. Well, I mean, they, they kind of went fumble. into him. There was a pretty costly fumble when yeah. they were knocking on the door there. Right on. Those but, opportunities you got to convert. Yeah, I think he only had maybe – three or four touches after that fumble that fumble happened in the third quarter you know mm-hmm. so like before then they, they were actually riding him and you know actually moving down the field and then they decided pep hamilton the offensive coordinator at some point just decided you know what, we're just gonna throw around yeah. the rest of the game they actually went to uh josh robinson a little bit more in the second yeah. half when they had to be passing the ball a little bit more robinson five carries just 12 yards but he caught five passes for 27 yards. So, I mean, really the fourth but, leading receiver on that team outside of the big names. I, I guess the, you know, pass-happy thing was kind of a panic move more than anything because they were still within, like, 10 points, you know, mm-hmm. most of the game. Yeah. And, you know, when they scored, it was 10-7. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and this is the waiver Wire podcast here, and we actually don't have Josh Robinson listed as a potential target. And I think there's a reason for that. I think Frank Gore is still the number one guy there. For sure. And at the same time, even if Josh Robinson does get it to more of an even split, that offensive line last night showed that they've so bad. They've been so bad in the complete inability to run the football that I, I'm not optimistic about Robinson or Gore or anybody else's yards per carry average there. Yeah, and so, you know, those people that invested a high pick in Andrew Luck have to be pretty disappointed right now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can't really, you're not really encouraged about any of his receiving options either right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty optimistic about Moncrief, especially coming underneath as a secondary yeah. or third target. Well, because it, sorry. I, I'm saying, like, last night, Revis kind of 
was more or less on Hilton and Andre Johnson. Those two guys sure. get more attention from the best defensive backs. And that makes me optimistic about Moncrief, you know, coming underneath. And, and Moncrief ended up leading them in overall targets. And I You're think right. uh, as long as T.Y. Hilton's a little bit banged up, eventually T.Y. might take more of those. But I just, I mean, for those that listened to the podcast last Tuesday and went out and, and put $25, $30 bids on Moncrief, uh, the returns have already came through. Yeah, you're right. So 7 of 8. Hauling in seven of eight targets is not bad. You have to be, you know, somewhat encouraged, I guess, about that. And, you know, Helton will be back to hopefully 100% soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then same thing with Dwayne Allen. I, I know one of my uh, roommates needed to get four points out of Dwayne Allen in a PPR league to win their matchup last night and did not happen. Yeah, you usually just need about two catches to you know, get to that point. Yeah, so. Dwayne Allen to get there, but yeah. <laughs> what about on the Jets side now? Uh, of course, Chris Ivory still the leading rush there. We'll start with the backs, even though maybe the receivers are a bit more exciting. But Chris Ivory carried the ball 14 times for 57 yards. Wasn't the ridiculous performance week one where he had 90 yards and two touchdowns, but he did face, I don't know if the Colts run defense is is that much better, but uh, also you got to keep in mind that he was a little bit nicked up heading into the Monday night game, dealing with a minor groin injury. Doesn't look like it's going to force him to miss time moving forward, but maybe that's part of the reason that the Jets coaching staff felt the need to give Baleo Powell 12 carries in that game. Yeah, so, I mean, that that was a surprising number to me when I saw it in the box score, but then I went and looked at the week one line, and Bilal Powell actually had 12 carries in week one as well, mm-hmm. 12 carries for 62 yards, so he... He's almost getting an even split with Chris Ivory. Maybe, maybe if if it's not in the snap count, it's actually in the touch department. So, I I don't know. Like, do you do you really want to have like one of these guys right now? I mean, in standard formats, I think that. Chris Ivory is the clear back to own even with the split and carries. Yeah. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter to me. I think he can be a viable RB2 in, in standard or PPR, but it, it a lot of it depends on matchup for me uh, if I'm going to sure. start him or not. Like against the Browns run D with a couple rookies on that line, um, I, I thought that was a great matchup. The Colts, maybe not as great, but I think Ivory can be a, a viable RB2 or even a low-end flex in most formats. So, yeah, you, it must have been the groin injury, which – you know slowed him down a little bit contained him yeah yeah get him get him after a bye week I think when he gets nice and fresh you might be looking at a big production here but let's shift over to the wide receivers before we move on here that was really the story of the game and of course uh since Ryan Fitzpatrick has taken over at quarterback uh, which of course has been since the start of the season but he's looking pretty good and that's good for the fantasy prospects of guys like Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker Marshall seven catches on 10 targets for 101 yards and one touchdown Decker eight catches on 11 targets for 97 yards and one touchdown both excellent fantastic fantasy performances big time are we coming to expect this type of performance out of these guys especially with Fitzpatrick and I mean I, I think I'm watching the telecast I saw that Vontae Davis of the Colts maybe a little bit banged up there so wasn't covering yeah. the number one guy the whole time so um, coming into the game, they were actually down three of their top four corners, and then Vontae Davis goes down with a concussion in the second quarter. Oh, so okay, at that right. point, yeah. they were, you know, stretched thin totally, and they they took full advantage of it thereafter. So, mm-hmm. and when when it comes to the wide receivers here, Decker actually left the game, I think, in the fourth quarter with an undisclosed knee injury. So, and we're still waiting on waiting word on the results of an MRI on Tuesday. So. That'll be something to actually keep an eye on uh, with regard to our updates on rotowire.com. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, looking ahead to next week here, uh, the Jets will be uh, heading to Philadelphia, whereas the Colts will be heading to Tennessee there. So uh, some some pretty favorable matchups on both ends there, I would oh, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on ahead to the waiver wire portion. Quick disclaimer before we dive too far into this. All percentages that Eric and I uh, discuss on on this segment are going to be percentage owned. We use uh, percentage owned from Yahoo and ESPN, which are probably the two most widely played formats. Um, and these are percentage owned as of late Monday night. We wanted to keep the percentages in in as early as possible to avoid the stats being altered by those leagues that allow instant add and drops as they will kind of shift uh, less favorable. And we might make some fab recommendations in this portion. These are all going to be based on a 12-team standard scoring $100 budget. So if you have a $200 budget, double the amount that we say. And if you're in a 14-16 team league, uh, you you might want to up these bids a little bit to make sure that you get these players if that is someone that you're going after. And uh, the quarterback portion, 
filled with a lot of backups this week, to be honest. Uh, a lot of uh, quarterbacks went down due to injury. Some of these plays might be all right. Some of them yeah, a little bit shaky with matchups coming up. But uh, we're going to start with Brandon Whedon. This guy's pretty much available everywhere. Nobody drafted him, even as a Tony Romo handcuff. And he has a pretty decent matchup, uh, has the Atlanta Falcons in week three here. And against the Philly defense uh, in relief of Tony Romo, uh, Whedon was 7 of 7 perfect for 73 yards and one touchdown against the Eagles there. So considering the Tony Romo situation, broken left clavicle, um, so let's see, I'm seeing he's been placed on the IR designated return list. So the earliest return date we're looking at is November 22nd. How viable is a play uh, of a play is Brandon Whedon, and how deep of a league do you need to be in to even consider that? Well, you probably need to be in probably a 16-team league, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and of course, those two quarterback leagues, that's part of the reason we do exactly. this. Yep. So, yeah, every, every two-quarterback league and um, pretty much every league where every quarterback's owned, which is, you know, 16 or deeper. So mm-hmm. um, let's see. Right now, among his receivers, you know, we know Des Bryant is out for you know at least eight weeks, anywhere 10 weeks. from six to twelve weeks. Yeah. Honestly, it just depends how he recovers. And then Jason Witten actually came down with sprained ankles and a sprained knee in mm-hmm. uh, week two, so that's going to be something to watch here in the week. Um, outside of that, though, like the options actually aren't terribly bad. I mean, he has Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, Lance Dunbar, Gavin Escobar. I mean, these are guys that we see make pretty athletic plays on a weekly yep. basis. I mean, that, that receiving core alone is much better than, say, the Browns receiving core, yeah. their skill positions, for example. So even down two top targets, it's still it's not terrible. It's definitely not as great, but there's there's viable options there. And, and I, I actually see them probably going a little more dink and dunk because, you know, Whedon's really not going to be a aerial strike, have many aerial strikes. I mean, he did have one here in week two with the 42-yard touchdown to Williams. But aside from that, we're probably not going to see that happen that often. So, yep. like these options are actually viable and could keep the offense somewhat humming. Yeah. And Terrence Williams, of course, uh, 84 yards and a touchdown. It was a late touchdown, I believe this week, but worth keeping an eye on worth checking. He's not universally owned yet. He's still available in maybe 20 to 30% of formats. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. (laughs) Grab a a look and scoop him up just in case Uh, we're not going to rehash him in the uh, receiver portion of this column. Do you have a price on uh, Whedon? A price on, Fab, on Whedon. You know, I originally wrote down 4 to $6, but I'm thinking of it this way. If you're in a 12-teamer, single quarterback, you can probably get away with scooping him up for none of your money. Right. If, uh, if you were a Romo owner and the options aren't looking good uh, and there's no, like, Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton-type middle-tier player on the waiver, Alex Smith even, none of those middle-type players, you can maybe throw a buck or two. If you're in a two-quarterback league, I'd maybe up it to six to eight dollars just because of the matchup this week at least and, and some of those weapons he has or so. you could you could be one of those owners that has drew Brees and jay cutler for example and mm-hmm. you're, you're really in desperate need of you know something yeah another mm-hmm. and another situation where uh the quarterbacks are in limbo i alluded to cleveland and not having the weapons earlier but we just want to rehash johnny manzel a little bit here he's owned only in three percent of yahoo four and a half percent espn Heading or has Oakland at home, I believe, for a week three matchup and had a pretty dis- decent week uh, in week two against the Titans. Browns pulled off a, a win that I certainly didn't think they were capable of. He <laughs> a eight of 15 for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Now, the deal with this is it's dependent on the health of Josh McCown because even though the Browns seem to have a lot invested in Manziel as regarding their future and should sooner or later see what they really have here, mm-hmm. Josh McCown. They came out with a depth chart today. McCown is listed as number one. I saw Mike Pettin doing an interview on NFL.com this morning, and he was completely noncommittal, wishy-washy, threw out a ton of hypotheticals, but his answer was basically, I can't answer that question until Josh McCown is cleared, so I'm not going to play hypotheticals. And these, these aren't quotes I'm paraphrasing a little bit. So, I mean, is there any reason that it would be helpful for them to go back to Josh McCown, or, or do you think it's finally Johnny Manziel's time to shine. I mean, Manziel has obviously, uh, you know, built a rapport with Travis Benjamin. He has uh, three mm-hmm. 50-yard-plus, um, you know, connections with him already. But, you know, aside from those, his line is pretty pedestrian. He's actually 18 for 36 for 193 yards, a touchdown and an interceptions, minus those three long, you know, completions. So, you know, not looking that great and, mm-hmm. you know, just – McCown's veteran presence would probably be a little more apt for them. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it might be uh, considering the circumstances there. And you got to imagine opposing defenses are going to make it a priority that Travis Benjamin does not take the top off the defense like he has in the first two weeks of the season there. Right on. So, yeah, for Fab, I put a buck or two in a standard format that's mostly a speculative bid because we don't even know he's going to start week three. If it is a keeper league, it really depends on what your thoughts on Manziel were originally. I, I know there's some some in the office that really think that he's going to be a good quarterback and, and adopt to the NFL. I'm not a huge believer myself, but if you're in a keeper league, it's maybe worth $10, $12, something like that, because say he does turn out to overachieve this year. Again, I'm not really a, a believer that that's going to happen, but if you have that in your head and you need to get Johnny Manziel in a keeper league and he does overachieve, he'll be well worth a keeper at $10, $12 next year, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they have such a good O-line, too. If they just put mm-hmm. some weapons around him, like, yep. that would that would definitely help out. Mm-hmm. But he only has kind of Benjamin, and that's it. Yeah, and, I mean, he's not going to get hit unless he brings it upon himself, which right. is very possible with a running quarterback. Which McCown and, did in week one. Yeah, oh, and McCown, yeah. Who, I, I, I still, I can see that, that uh, I got a helicopter of that. Yeah, the yeah. helicopter thing. Uh, I can just see that playing through my head. Um, we got some cleanup work to do in the quarterback department. Uh, just a couple guys that you maybe want to think about. Probably don't have to spend a lot of fab money on. But I'm talking Luke McCown of the New Orleans Saints, while Drew Brees deals with a bruised rotator cuff. Jimmy Clausen of the Chicago Bears, while Smoking Jay Cutler deals with a hamstring strain. So both these guys maybe have a chance to start this week. Uh, are either of these guys viable options? And if I guess if you had to pick one, who do you like more? Oof. Um, <laughs> I, I I said this last year. You yeah. know, if you have to choose between two turds, you're still picking up poop, right? Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. You 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 got to decide between one of these guys. But the matchups, I just want to say, McCown and the Saints at Carolina, Clawson and the Bears at Seattle. Terrible matchups for, for either both of these sides. guys. So I, I'm not using them in daily. But no. they do need to be owned in two quarterback leagues here, depending on on uh, you know the, the expected absence of the starting quarterbacks, correct? Yeah, so among these two, Jimmy Clausen's actually started most recently. He started Week 16 last year for the Bears. He was 23 of 39, 181 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, which is you know modest. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually didn't have Brandon Marshall in the, that game because he was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alshon Jeffrey was the, the main man, but... We're not actually sure that Alshon Jeffrey is going to be playing in week three. We're still worried about his, uh, I think it's a hamstring, right? Yeah, something in the lower leg, I yeah. believe. Yeah, I checked So, it. yeah, he's he's still de- dealing with injury. We're not sure he's going to be around. So if he's not, like, he doesn't have anything viable outside of Matt Forte and Martellus Bennett. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, you know, we've seen Seattle's D's. Um, easily cover guys like that if, yep. you know, the quarterback is subpar. So mm-hmm. And, it, uh, yeah, I mean, just overall, you look at the receivers from last last week's game. Joshua Bellamy led Bellamy, the team. Yeah. Bellamy, I'm sorry, I, I was it's watching right. the New England Buffalo game instead <laughs> of that one. I, I couldn't bring myself to to watch too much of this, but mm-hmm. Bellamy, of course, Martellus Bennett's going to be there. Matt Forte and Eddie Royal always up in targets. Eddie Royal led the team in targets with eight, but those weapons are so, I mean, outside of Forte. They're not the most encouraging. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, opposed, you look to a guy like McCown who's got Colston and Coleman and Cooks and and you know, three different running backs in, in Ingram, Spiller, and Kyrie Robinson that are viable candidates. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more weapons in New Orleans, so maybe he has a little bit more upside. Yeah, and they're like – Every once in a while, Carolina does have uh, you know those random shootouts too mm-hmm. that you, you don't expect their defense to give up. So maybe they fall asleep because they're not facing Breeze if Breeze in fact doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with that, uh, we can go ahead and move on to running backs here. Uh, with starting with who I think is my top target uh, in all on the <laughs> entire waiver wire this week. Now this is just me. Um, you know, of course, it always depends on the availability there, but someone that is pretty available is Matt Jones of the Washington Redskins. He's only owned in 23% of Yahoo and 16% ESPN leagues. So you think of it this way, there's a a 75% chance he's going to be available or greater if you look. Now this is a quick turnaround. Uh, The Redskins have an early matchup in week three. They play on Thursday against the Giants, a, a team that has given up a fair amount of running yards over the first couple games of the year. Well, I guess 
a decent I, I don't think of them as a particularly talented run defense I guess even though uh, they did hold the Falcons to under 100 rushing yards I guess last week yeah but you want to give us the rundown on Matt Jones and why we like him so much this week Eric well yeah so he's already built his uh, snap count from 10 in week one to 31 in week two and that he hasn't actually yet reached 50 percent of the snaps so he's approaching Alfred Morris and we're kind of waiting to see if he actually does surpass him mm-hmm. and maybe in a on a short week and Alfred Morris being the veteran presence, maybe they'll actually trot out Jones a little more just to, you know, make up for that fact. Um, like, do you think though that in the long run, Jones is the most viable of the two? It, it really depends. I could see them as much as I, I want Matt Jones to come out and, uh, and, and take that. Well, I don't really, I ended up with two shares of Alfred Morris this year, just because I thought he was being a little bit underdrafted for the potential that he has. And, and now I think uh, part of that reason was because of Matt Jones on that roster and him getting 19 carries to Morris's 18 in, in week, I guess this, yeah, this most recent week here. Uh, and this is against the Rams run defense that is pretty stout. I think they have one of the better defensive lines in the national football league. So I think it could even out. We might see a little bit of a seesaw effect from week to week, but really, I mean, if you're owning both of these guys, you got to, you know, it's terrible to say, but it, it, it might come down to one of them getting hurt for the other one to really take over with the role there. So of course you're going to watch that. Neither of them really have any injury suggestions right now, but regardless if I'm, especially if I'm an Alfred Morris owner, I'm bidding a lot on Matt Jones this week on the waiver wire. I'm using my top claim just to make sure that I have that cuffed in case the tables turn and Matt Jones ends up taking, taking over that role. Yeah. So Washington so far has faced Miami and St. Louis, teams that we would fully expect to actually be stout run defenses, especially with uh, Endomic and Sue joining Miami in the offseason. But they actually rank first in the NFL in rushing right now, 171.5 yards per game. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to stick to their guns right now, especially with you know their uncertain status at quarterback, the uncertain passing game because Deshaun Jackson is down. Mm-hmm. So And actually you know just keep running the ball and I mean, yeah. they're they're controlling the clock right now, doing the or running this type of offense. So why not keep mm-hmm. it up? I actually saw just on a side note, I saw Deshaun Jackson was dropped in one of my fourteen teamers somehow. Yeah. Not exactly sure about the reasoning behind that, but if one of the owners did that and you have a bench spot, I'd go for him there. That's a side note. But uh, one thing I do like about Matt Jones is uh, just the upcoming schedule overall. We mentioned the Giants on Thursday, an early game. Then uh, they have the Eagles at home. They go to Atlanta. They have a tougher matchup then with the with the Jets, but. And then after that, uh, the Buccaneers. Now, in that, or I'm sorry, not in that division, but in, I guess, the divisions that they're facing in their schedule and within their own division, there's a lot of weak run defenses. So there could be plenty of weeks when both of these guys are viable fantasy plays. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it comes down to a price, Eric. I wrote down here 25 to $30. However, like I said, I am an Alfred Morris owner, and I put a few bids out while I was prepping this, uh, this up, and I ended up bidding $41. And $43 in two different leagues. Uh, One's a 16-teamer where I absolutely need a running back. One's only a 12-teamer that I bid a little bit more in. But my running back, too, in that league is TJ Yeldon to compliment Jamal Charles. And I'm thinking that that's the position my receivers are stacked, my tight ends are stacked. I'm I'm confident in my quarterbacks, uh, Cam Newton and Carson Palmer, some combination carrying me through my RB2s, the weakest spot. So I need to go ahead and get them. So I wonder if anyone in my league's listening to this right now. Uh, I, I guess we'll see here, but you're going to have to spend a good, a pretty penny of that waiver wire budget if you're going to pry Matt Jones from my arms. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Did you, did you make any bids on him or are you, uh, are you pretty good? I mean, you were 4-0 and last week. You don't have that much room to improve, right? I, there are places like I, I do the uh, zero running back strategy most of the time. Mm-hmm. The only one I didn't was when I, you know, took Le'Veon Bell first overall. So I do need to like search out, you know, guys to fill that number two running back role for sure. Mm-hmm. And another guy that's capable of filling that number two running back role. We touched on him a little bit last week, but I think he's definitely worth revisiting. And that is David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals. Still only owned in 34% of Yahoo and 46% of ESPN League. So if you're in a Yahoo League, I think there's a better chance he'll be out there. Uh, he has a home matchup against San Francisco in Week 3 and, of course, had a pretty nice showing here in, in Week 2. Uh, what, what is there to like about David Johnson, and why is he a good prospect moving forward for the rest of the season here? So um, I never really heard 
co- head coach Bruce Arians actually compare him to anybody, but in the aftermath of uh, the week two performance that he had, you know, the kickoff return for a touchdown to kick off the game and then uh, the 13-yard touchdown run later, mm-hmm. uh, he actually said that, like, he compares to Matt Forte. Like, he kind of glides. He doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he glides and just, mm-hmm. you know, like, moves moves basically effortlessly. So that that's something to be encouraged about like if he's actually somebody who could eventually equate or equivocate like what mm-hmm. um Matt Forte's done in his career so so far he's had 5 snaps in week 1 21 in week 2 21 in week 2 and if Andre Ellington misses out again due to a sprain PCL then i mean Chris Johnson is still going to head the running back core like mm-hmm. they've already said that for sure it's yep. happening but you have to feel the way he's performed so far david johnson that is mm-hmm. that they're actually gonna you know you you know ease in more packages and more packages to make him more comfortable with offense mm-hmm. with the offense yeah and i sound a little i saw a little soundbite from bruce arian's press conference where he kind of uh suggested that david johnson might have a, a role that grow, grows just a little bit week to week and that, that makes me feel really good about his season-long prospects but does those carries, does he pretty much go back to third string once Ellington's back, or do they kind of ease Ellington back in and do some kind of committee? Um, what they'll probably do is, you know, give most of the carries to Johnson, and then the respective, uh, you know, Andre Ellington and David Johnson will get certain packages. Um, so Ellington kind of had this scenario happen when he was a rookie in 2013. I don't think yep. he had more than like seven or eight carries until mm-hmm. more than halfway into the season. So we like that might actually happen with uh well i think it actually will happen with david johnson here just because you know it, it's a crowded backfield they'll need mm-hmm. both guys to probably go down for johnson to actually you know get most of the work mm-hmm. yeah that's one of my only worries on david johnson that just that uh watching ellington in that rookie campaign arians was really cautious with a, you know, a smaller kind of shifty back mm-hmm. um, and i'm not not to compare the two of them directly but just the fact that he's a rookie still easing into the offense so that might knock him down a little bit if he's still out there on the waiver wire though can you justify spending 20 25 dollars on him oh yeah i think so actually mm-hmm. um the upside he's, he's gonna have i think he's gonna have explosive plays and they might not happen every week i mean they have so far but the history tells us that it's not going to happen so uh you may not know this but he was the first player in nfl history to have a kickoff return a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown within his first two games as a pro well very yeah. impressive and, and and bodes well for his status moving forward here let's move on to title town here where eddie lacy is dealing with a sprained ankle he's been a he's been a tough player over the course of his career um but of course you have to look at his backup james starks um he will be heading or actually has the Kansas City Chiefs at home so a pretty formidable run defense there James Starks is only owned in 11% of Yahoo and 8% of ESPN leagues in a deeper format if you're a Lacey owner do you pick him up just in case because it's a Monday night game I mean you have to you I would say people in leagues 12 or 12 teams or more should probably you know be out there trying to get him absolutely mm-hmm. uh and especially if Lacey sits out I mean he's going to get the bulk of the carries right and yeah absolutely. I mean coach Mike McCarthy's already come out and said that uh they're going to have a 50-50 split at at worst mm-hmm. so that you know at the very least Starks is going to have half the workload yeah, and you know that Kansas City has a pretty formidable run defense, but if they start trying to put seven, eight men in the box, Aaron Rodgers is going to torch them on the outside. Yeah. He knows how to beat the blitz and find his open men. Well, and we also just saw James Starks go for 20 carries and 95 yards against one of the best uh, defenses in the league. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you can do it against Seattle, you can do it against KC. Yep, I was at that game Monday night, very impressed. A little bit worried when I saw on Twitter that Eddie Lacy was going to be sitting out, but I uh, did like what I saw to Jimmy Starks there, and... Uh, I, I like doing this. This is kind of what I did last Monday in, in T.Y. Hilton leagues. I went and bid on Dante Moncrief just in case T.Y. Hilton was was going to be out on Monday night. And this is one of the strategies I think you just have to employ where, you know, go ahead and bid on Starks. Even if it's just in the 4 to $6 range, go ahead and handcuff Eddie Lacy just in case he suffers an unexpected setback. And even if he is limited in that week, I think you'll see a decent amount of, of of rushes there and you never know if Aaron Rodgers might be able to set him up out of the backfield a few times as well especially in the red zone area so if uh, Lacey does sit out um the third string running back is Alonzo Harris do you think Alonzo Harris gets any run at all if 
if uh, in fact that happens, that scenario. I think comes he gets to pass. a little bit of run, but not enough yeah. to achieve fantasy relevance. I'm not owning him outside of twenty teamers. I would and, say. And there, do you think the Packers would go? You know, try to sign somebody um, off another practice squad at that point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, did, did Monty Ball sign yet? Um, I mean, they might actually have like John Crockett on the practice squad okay, right now. You know, I so mean, I mean, it wouldn't be a Packer thing to do to go sign a free agent. So yeah, yeah, exactly. very, I could see uh, something like that happening. Yeah, you know, I, I could, like, eh, yeah, they would sign someone off the practice squad before they kind of tapped into the waiver wire market there. Yeah, uh, one more running back I want to look at. Well, we actually got two, two slash more. three more. We'll, we'll we'll get there here. We can <laughs> run right. through Duke Johnson here pretty quickly. But I did look, and Duke Johnson is still. Only owned in 36% of Yahoo, 60% of ESPN. And the only reason I bring this up is because he had 12 carries against the Titans. Isaiah Crowell only had 15 carries. Crowell, the more effective runner, 72 yards and a touchdown. But Duke Johnson ended up with 43 yards on the ground. Actually, it doesn't look like any targets in the passing game there. But just from week one to week two, we've seen his snap count increase a little bit. Duke Johnson isn't someone that I would say pick him up and start him right away this is more of a long-term potential thing because that offensive line is very talented I mean Crowell Isaiah Crowell he's done all right so far but he's just an undrafted free agent and I I think they might eventually turn to Duke Johnson to get more of those those carries and potentially by the time week six week eight rolls around he could be leading that backfield Do you, am, I, am I nuts here or is that is, is that a possibility I guess I have a question for you previously uh in the Cleveland backfield what has Mike Pettin done what he's done, well, last year they kind of went with a split between Crowell and Terrence West, but Pettin was largely unpredictable. He based because both of them were rookies. West was a rookie last year. Crowell, obviously, an undrafted free agent. And Pettin basically just went with whoever has the better week of practice. And we said leading up to the year that Isaiah Crowell kind of won that starter's job by default because they traded away Terrence West, and Duke Johnson dealt with a hamstring injury for most of, of camp in the preseason. So, yeah. uh, you know, the only reason Duke Johnson didn't have an opportunity to win that job is because he was hampered by an injury. Crowell ended up getting it by default. So uh, as the Browns beat writer, I don't have any surefire indication that Johnson goes ahead and takes over this job. But if he's available, if somebody dropped him and panicked on him because he wasn't producing in the first couple weeks, I think there's long-term benefits to have from owning a guy like Johnson, especially behind that offensive line as long as they have stay healthy. I mean, Alex Mack and Joe Thomas are two of the best offensive linemen in the league period so so are you thinking uh 12 teamers and uh deeper yeah i think he should be owned in 12 teamers and deeper and 10 teamers you can probably hold off for a little bit yeah uh as far as a bid goes i i'm totally fine with laying down in the 8 to 12 dollar range just uh because of his long-term prospects again i'm not saying go ahead and start him week three although they are playing the raiders and a questionable run defense so he might get some more run i actually wouldn't be surprised if he had his first touchdown of the season but you know a touchdown in 40 yards that's a 10 point fantasy day but i think over time johnson has a very good opportunity for his role to expand especially if he ends up potentially being a three round back or if anything happens to crowell via injury so was johnson ever a pass catching back did he ever display that at miami yeah yeah definitely so they're just you know maybe holding off on that until he maybe gets past protection schemes down yeah something that, like that yeah it could be something like that no i haven't i haven't seen any indication that pass blocking is the reason i think it's uh-huh. just Patton wanting to ease his young guy into action over the course of the season but i think they ultimately envision duke johnson being the third down back and and if he succeeds in that role like say david johnson or, or matt jones or something like that his yeah. role could definitely expand so oh, i'm yeah. keeping an eye on him we probably won't touch on him a ton moving forward until he has a big breakout game but somebody with more long term than immediate benefits there sure. in okay. duke johnson last back combo we want to look at is uh, devonta freeman and teron ward from the atlanta falcons freeman is only owned actually in 46 percent of yahoo and 65 percent of espn leagues So it's absolutely worth a look if you're looking for a running back, too. Now, the Falcons will head to Jerry World to play the Dallas Cowboys Sunday. And uh, just a quick housekeeping note, the reason we're bringing these guys up is because Tevin Coleman, the rookie out of Indiana, who pretty much won that starter's job outright, he's going to miss somewhere between one and three weeks with a fractured rib. And, of course, I would probably lean toward the latter. (laughs) Yeah, probably towards the latter. I mean, a running back with a fractured rib. I know they they padded those up. Uh, I I played with some quarterbacks in high school that had a similar rib things, and they wore wore kind of those flak jacket things underneath their shoulder pads. It doesn't quite work the same with a running back when you've got people in helmets 
coming and targeting from possibly. a lot of angles from too. a lot of angles yeah. exactly uh targeting that so i yeah i'd lean on the latter size side of that and uh i mean what have you seen so far that would make would make freeman a uh a viable pickup uh or an, even a startable rb2 well yeah so so far he's had uh 22 rushes and a td uh and seven catches on 12 targets uh we've actually seen atlanta have or throw 80 times versus 57 runs so they're you know they're starting to get close to that balance that you'd want so but just the fact that freeman is a decent pass catcher really is encouraging mm-hmm. to me because you know in those ppr formats especially like you can probably expect him to get just three or four reception points yeah and yeah. then whatever he can do beyond that you know mm-hmm. then that gives him the potential to get 15 points or so a game even without reaching the end zone which is i mean that's that's a reasonable expectation for an RB2 in a PPR format. Yeah, and Freeman has 12 targets so far in two games, and he has three within the red zone, and he hasn't actually reached the end zone yet. Yep. So that's really encouraging too. And that's with Coleman being the main workhorse in, yeah. most, in most of those games. So pretty encouraging there. And then, uh, so, I mean, do you, uh, the RB2, the kind of theme that we went with is 20 to $25 on Fab. If he's available and you need a second running back, are you – putting that money down you're putting your chips down or are you going to wait uh, a little bit just because it's more or less a short-term fix until coleman's back yeah i mean but on the other hand we're we're also saying that david johnson's you know going to be slowly easing up and we're recommending 20 bucks at least so mm-hmm. i think it it's easily i think you can easily compare the situation to say like mm-hmm. maybe if Devonte, you know fares incredibly well shows off very well the next two to three weeks with Coleman out mm-hmm. that it, it's totally worth it to yeah. pay that price yeah because you can't risk going 0 and 3 0 and 4 I mean if you start out 0 and 1 0 and 2 and maybe you picked a lot of guys that you're waiting on or maybe you're a, a Mike Evans victim or, or waiting on Arian Foster Todd Gurley something like that you're still going to be okay but if you start to risk going down to 0 and 3 0 and 4 those are huge holes to dig out of and it's very much worth it to spend a quarter of your budget on someone's going to help you right now yeah is what indeed. I think yeah and then and then real quick here, we included Teron Ward on there as a $1 to $2, kind of a, a Hail Mary pickup just in case. Uh, we'll see how the carries get distributed this in this upcoming week. Maybe he sees a little bit of early down action. I haven't seen any indication to believe that. But uh, just in case, if you have a deep bench or are in a deep league, Ward should be available. You should be able to get away with them as a, as a lesser known name for a couple bucks and possibly help you down the road. You yeah. never know. Worth oh, yeah, a shot I mean, there. yeah, we're just going to wait and see with that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll check that next week. Well, fantasy football just got a a whole lot more interesting week three DraftKings will be hosting another millionaire maker event with 1.2 million dollars going to first place go to draftkings.com now and enter promo code rotowire to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. that's promo code rotowire for free entry now with your first deposit on draftkings.com this isn't fantasy as usual this is DraftKings. welcome to the big time now, Eric, we're going to move on over to wide receivers, as is typically next here in our Tuesday waiver wire podcast here. And one thing I noticed just on the whole uh, about the receiver group this week, not quite as much talent on the waiver wire as there was in week one. Week one saw saw guys like James Jones breaking out, Dante Moncrief, Terrence Williams, and all those guys I think are still top targets over everyone we're about to talk about today. But uh, we do just want to touch on a few guys, and we're going to start with Travis Benjamin. Uh, he is only owned in 14% of Yahoo leagues, 6% of ESPN leagues, has a pretty favorable matchup here uh, week three against Oakland. But if Manziel ends up sitting, if McCown's cleared, does does that kind of take that value away? Yep. I mean, we don't really know how those two will actually mesh at all. We haven't really seen it mm-hmm. uh, because didn't McCown go out, was it yeah. first or second it was, quarter? It was in early first. in the game. I believe it was the first quarter. Yeah, and then Benjamin's basically exploded in the meantime, mm-hmm. and, you know, Menzel's been the quarterback. So yep. they obviously have a decent – they seem to have a good rapport. Um, if If – Let's see. I mean, you have to temper your bids, I think. Yeah. Um, you can't probably go over 10 bucks. Yeah, I was thinking you probably want to keep it to single digits unless you're yeah. absolutely desperate for a wide receiver three. Uh, the only good thing is if you're in one of those leagues that adds, adds up return yardage, he is averaging 23 point yards per punt return so far with a touchdown. Yep. So regardless of who plays quarterback, he's still going to return punts. So yes. that's that's good news at the very least. And 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 yeah, this could very well be dependent on the Manzel McCown situation. So it's worth tuning in and checking on that. Now Manzel Benjamin was pretty much a second team offense guy last year when he was recovering from an ACL injury and 
worked a lot with the second team early on in this season. So that's probably where Manziel and him got to build a lot of that chemistry there. So that's part of the reason definitely likes to go deep and uh, you know defenses are probably going to key in on that a little bit more moving forward but I think a viable wide receiver three in a deeper format in a shallow format you might be able to get away with a real low end bid 14 teams are greater I think you're going to be in the upper half of the single digits but still there and of course a few bucks more if you if you need a wide receiver to start week oh three. yeah for sure so, yeah so all right we'll, we'll move on from Travis Benjamin though another guy who had a excellent game uh Week two is Michael Crabtree of the Oakland Raiders. Now, he's only owned in 23% of Yahoo leagues and 32% of ESPN leagues. Uh, He will go to Cleveland week three, so I guess the first two are going to be playing each other here. And he had a pretty nice uh, uh, week two in terms of targets. Do we think he can keep this kind of pace up with Amari Cooper involved there as well? Yeah, he seems to be turning into a nice, um, you know, what is it called? Uh possession receiver i, yep. I always uh, forget go. that so yeah he seems to be turning into good a good possession receiver to you know amari cooper's dy- dynamic uh you know self running down the field so um 16 targets in week two now he's up to 24 which ranks fifth in the nfl mm-hmm. if he does keep this up yes that's encouraging the, the volume is incredibly great but then he's only averaging 6.2 yards per target so far which is kind of hideous you mm-hmm. don't you don't really want to like touch that unless they're getting volume like this but yeah. he has eight and 16 targets in two games yeah which is you, huge. you, you would that expect alone, that to keep up yep that alone is enough to consider he should probably be owned now i'd say as a as a one of the final bench spots in a 12 team remember when you get up to 14 16 you can start giving him some wide receiver three thought especially with bye weeks you guys got to keep that in mind. He needs to start uh, start bolstering those benches with some of these recommendations if you're carrying any dead weight uh, because bye weeks are going to be coming up here, not next week, but the week after that. And mm-hmm. it helps that you're prepared now instead of having to scramble on the waiver wire next week when you might be uh, – you know, might have some more competition for some of these players. So I think it's uh, Pats and uh, Titans in the first uh, bye week and week four, mm-hmm. just those two teams. Yeah, so it, it, we're not hitting the intensity super early, but – Always got to be looking ahead. It's a season-long league. Uh, You know, it's not one of those one-week leagues uh, like you see a lot these days. But uh, in in a season-long format, time to start bolstering that bench there. And I think Crabtree makes for a pretty viable pickup here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll head to Titletown one more time. Uh, Actually, maybe two more times this show. Sneak preview here. But got to touch on Ty Montgomery. Again, he's got a Monday night game this week. Only... uh, Owned in 6% of Yahoo, 4% of ESPN formats. Um, I don't know. I think those percentages are about right. He had three of his four targets this season in the fourth quarter. So before that point, mm-hmm. he wasn't really, you know, part of the offense. Yep. And, you know, he, I guess he will get into the offense if Devontae's at all hampered by his injury. And mm-hmm. maybe if, uh, you know, Lacey's out and they need a few more pass catchers out there. Yeah, when Devontae Adams was out uh, on, on Sunday night there, they had to go to Ty Montgomery in those five, four wide receiver sets. Yes. So he had a role, at least he'll be on the field. And Rodgers doesn't really discriminate. He's going to throw to you if you're open. And Montgomery might not get as much attention as a guy like Randall Cobb or even James Jones would in that offense. So there's a good chance he could get open. He he played in a pro-style offense in Stanford. He's physically, he just looks big. Yes. Uh, for someone for someone his height, he looks big and, and he looks capable. And I don't know, we might see a little bit like uh, in, in Randall Cobb's early, early season where he was kind of little by little, the workload increased a little bit and... And, and who knows, uh, this is this like some of the other recommendations earlier is not someone I recommend jumping out, buying and uh, and starting right away. But he's more of a long term prospect and maybe his role's expanded by the time bye weeks roll around. Yeah. So we've seen James Jones farewell. He has three touchdowns already in the season, but he seems to be only taking, you know, Jordy Nelson's red zone, you know, mm-hmm. targets. He's not really getting anything outside of that. Two of his, I guess, two of his seven targets are in the red zone so far. But mm-hmm. um, well, keep in mind he did have a lot of Richard Sherman last week for sure. So that could have yeah. like kind of blanketed him in, in the middle of the field. Although that twenty-nine yard touchdown over Sherman, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So who knows there? But uh, but yeah, I mean. I think Montgomery, again, a very good long-term prospect, uh, little by little. You know, it's a long season, and we got to keep going here. Another guy, uh, well, well, quick on Montgomery a bit. I wrote down $1 to $2 this week. Very well could see that be 2 to $4 next week, then 4 to 6 the week after that. So if you have a deep bench, throw a buck down and, and see if you can snag him early. And, and, you know, buy low, sell high, right? 
Yeah, and if he uh, if you're in a league with return yardage, he's a kick returner. Yeah, that helps too. Uh, a couple more receivers uh, that we want to talk about here. Um, Kamar Aikens, universally available in Baltimore. Haven't seen him uh, make a major impact there, but sooner or later, Baltimore is going to have to figure out who their number two wide receiver is, especially with Brashad Perriman dealing with an injury. Steve Smith, number one wide receiver in that offense, he had a pretty big game week two, but that's not going to be able to keep up forever. So just as a wide receiver two in a team that because of the Suggs injury on defense and just how they played defensively early on, they might have to throw a lot late in games. And uh, somebody's got to get some of those targets, and Kamar Aiken maybe has a chance for that. Not super eye on him. He kind of checks in at the bottom here, but uh, another dollar or two receiver, I think. Yeah, so he's uh, moved up to a tie for third in terms of targets here. So 23 have gone to Steve Smith, that's clear. He's the number one guy. Justin Mm -hmm. Forsett is 11, and uh, Kamar Aiken's actually tied with Crockett Gilmore at 10, Mm -hmm. but he got most of those in Week 2. He he had seven targets in Week 2, so... I, I think he's going to oscillate between maybe that high point and you know about one or two on the on the low end, mm-hmm. and then you're just gonna it's going to be feast or famine. So like you said, you know a few bucks, maybe yeah. one. Now, what if you compare him against uh, another Montgomery. kind of? But well, I was going to actually say the next uh, the next oh, one, right Leonard on. Hankerson from Atlanta. Now he's someone that you, you mentioned here out targeted Roddy White. The availability is similar there kind of a possession receiver there that might see some that might have an impact here you know we have a same the same bid down here for a guy like Hankerson a buck or two maybe just due to the slightly inconsistent usage there but I mean I mean compared to those guys Hankerson's been around in the league a little bit longer so maybe has a little bit more of a trust level even though I believe it's his first year with the Atlanta system there so um, another look there uh, I mean so Roddy White actually had zero fantasy points this past week ouch yeah, he had no catches at all. So, I mean, Hankerson maybe is working his way into the number two role right now. I mean, mm-hmm. or maybe they were just – it could be a you know, combination of Roddy White's age, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you know his matchup wasn't great. But it is kind of encouraging to see that Hankerson actually – you know, is ahead of him already 15 to nine in terms of targets through two weeks. Yeah. Now rewind for the last couple of years when Roddy White was hurt and Harry Douglas became a very viable fantasy option here. Uh, if, if Hankerson kind of does usurp Roddy White on the depth chart, do you, do, can we expect Harry Douglas numbers there? Or is that maybe a little bit too lofty uh, or I guess uh, this early on? So uh, he played uh, previously with Washington. He, uh, he played there for four, his first four seasons, 31 games. Mm-hmm. With inconsistent he, quarterback, not total, even just play, but just a, a carousel of quarterbacks going yeah. through there from RG3 to Kirk Cousins to Kirk, Colt McCoy. So that couldn't help anything in terms of consistency. Now he's got a much better upgrade at that position with Matty Ice. Yeah, so um, in those you know three-plus seasons, since he only played one game last season, mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you have, a uh, knee injury, I believe? Yeah, I think so. Um, Something like that. <laughs> um, anyway, he had 128 targets. 16 of those were in the red zone. So one out of eight, you know, were red zone targets. If he hasn't actually, you know, achieved one of those yet, and you know, the presence of Roddy White kind of maybe discourages him from uh, factoring into that type of game. But maybe he's due to, you know, start contributing on that or during or in that part of the field, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was I just checked. It was, in fact, a knee injury that kept him sidelined for most of last year. And I mean, there's some upside to find here, especially if, if, if the depth chart, the way it is, holds true. Uh, Hankerson obviously has the youth on his side at 27 years old and uh, there's potential upside there, so you're definitely taking a look in deeper formats. Now, so you're comparing him to Aiken, though. I I'd lean toward Hankerson. I, I would agree, just because they're yeah. more explosive offense, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at least in the passing game. Yeah, you're right, but I don't know. At the same time, Baltimore is gonna. I get the feeling they're gonna be behind a little bit and and have to throw a little bit more, whereas this yeah. Atlanta defense looks to have actually gotten better. So I think I mean Aiken's a little bit more of an unknown. It's tough to say where there's more upside here. Uh, Hankerson maybe is a little bit safer play to see five six targets a game uh, if you need to fill someone in. I just think I just feel like the Baltimore offense is going to be facing more staunch defenses maybe outside of like Pittsburgh. You know t- the two games they face them, but uh, uh, whereas Atlanta is going to have New Orleans, Tampa, and you know Carolina's apt to you know give up exp- mm-hmm. a high scoring game every once in a while. 
Yeah, yeah. The schedule alone could very well be the tiebreaker in this. But regardless, if you're searching to bolster your bench a wide receiver, you know you maybe want to look for a couple of these guys. Now, another wide receiver that we like here, who uh, you actually added him in, kind of as a late addition. Which, after looking at the numbers, I can very much understand why. And that's Rashad Matthews from from Miami. Now, of course, Jarvis Landry already involved there. Devontae Parker kind of sitting at the bottom of the depth chart as a rookie here. But uh, Matthews has been making a little bit more of an impact in in the first couple weeks than expected. And he's only owned in 3% of Yahoo and 1% of ESPN leagues. Eric, is that number on the rise? It has to be, right? He has six targets in in week one, seven in week two. So he made up for the lack of yards in week one by actually reaching the end zone. He had, he had four catches for 34 yards. Then he didn't actually score in uh, week two, but had seven receptions for 115 yards. So these are all encouraging sides to me. And now he's ranked 18th among wide, wide receivers in standard scoring in fantasy right now. So a 4 to $6 bid is, you know, kind of a decent investment, a smart investment um, buying low on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right with you there, especially now I'm still pretty high on the long term prospects of, of Devonte Parker. I think he'll come on eventually, but we might not to see, owners there might not be able to see dividends until week eight or beyond, whereas the dividends will be paying right away with Rashard Matthews and, and you're going to be able to find him cheap uh, on the waiver wire because even though he's a top 20 receiver in standard formats in terms of points overall, uh, the ownership there is super low, and I think you'll be able to get away with a single-digit bid here. I think I've heard, too, coming out of Miami that they're going to ease in Parker, too, as the season goes on. So, yeah, you're right. He might eat eat into the you know some of Matthew's uh, <clears throat> you know targets here as the season goes on, but I think he's probably a good guy to have you know the first five to six weeks here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe dwindles off a little bit, but good early on. Let's yeah. move on to tight ends, Eric. Uh, we're going to start with another Green Bay Packer. We've almost hit one in every uh, position, but uh, <laughs> but we got to go to Richard Rodgers, who uh, owned an 8% of Yahoo, 14% of ESPN leagues. There's a 16-team office league that I'm in that I have to start him every week, actually. Um, and he seems to be the clear favorite over Andrew Corliss for uh, – for targets and and overall snaps in that offense and he's kind of creeping up uh maybe that rogers rogers to rogers connection is building a little bit more trust there do you go out and bid on him this week um yeah if he's available yeah (laughs) i mean i I was really encouraged that he was able to you know freelance with uh rogers on that on the touchdown because they didn't have routes called. Uh, you may have read that in some of the post game oh, commentary. See, see, I had a tough time viewing that being at the game yeah. myself, like watching it from behind. So it, it was it was very tough to uh, read that on the field. He didn't quite have my binoculars, and I believe that one was scored in the south end zone, if I remember correctly. Our seats are in the north end zone, so yeah. I still need to watch the TV replay. I always got to do that after I go to the game in person. It's, but, it's completely different. But beside the point, you're right though that 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 trust that they built between each other is absolutely encouraging. And then. Um, and then the fact that he actually hauled in that zinger for a two-point conversion, I couldn't believe he actually held on to that. Yeah, yeah, that that's going to build trust too, especially if Rodgers can gun it like that I mean, and rely there, on you to bring it in. Yeah, there's, a, there's nary a quarterback that can actually fit it in that hole, but, I mean, Rodgers is the guy who can do it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Richard Rodgers on any other team, probably not even a tight end two but on the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, he makes uh, every every receiver that comes yep, through there. Uh, yeah, on the Green Bay Packers, there's a sign. Now, Eric and I, of course, being up here in Wisconsin, are going to have a tough time finding him available on their waiver wire, but less than 15% ownership in most of the major formats. I think if you go out and look for him right now, if you need a tight end, either heading into bye weeks or are discouraged about your current tight end, worth a few bucks on the waiver wire because he should be a more than, more than serviceable fill-in. I mean, I would... If you just hypothetical here, if you had Colby Fleener on your team, would you drop him for Rodgers? I think I'd probably. Oh would. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Since Fleener has one target on the season, mm-hmm. doesn't look to be turning that around unless Dwayne Allen actually misses a week here. All right, so yeah, just some food for thought there. Another tight end we like this week on the waiver wire is Eric Ebron of the Detroit Lions. Uh, he's going to play the Sunday night game against the Broncos, so a little bit of a tough matchup there. But there is quite a bit of availability there. Sixteen percent owned on Yahoo, 20% owned on ESPN leagues, uh, actually ranking seventh among tight ends in standard, standard scoring here. Does he need to be owned in all formats, 12 teams or greater? I mean, he's reached the end zone in both games so far. Um, but, I mean, do you really expect that to hold up? Uh, I mean, Stafford ba- actually got back to targeting Calvin Johnson a heck of a lot, 17 targets in week uh, 
uh, to here. And, and rightfully so. That's how it should be, I yeah, believe. Yeah, exactly. And didn't Golden Tate also have a high target game? Yeah, Golden Tate, I think, had over 100 receiving yards. He had me like a 15 to 18-point day, at least, in, in my PPR format, I remember. So, I mean, if if he goes back, if Matthew Stafford goes back to focusing the, you know, the top two guys, focusing on the top two guys, then, you know, the touchdowns might dwindle up and you'll have to rely upon more, you know, the short passing game and racking up uh, points via PPR if you're in that format. Mm-hmm. So I, I, in, in leagues where you, you get most of your scoring via touchdown, that might be a hindrance in mm-hmm. the coming weeks. Yeah, and who knows, maybe I can almost see him as like a rich man's uh, Dwayne Allen, just being someone who is more likely to haul in those red zone stuff but won't see as yeah. much action in the middle of the field there. But I think he absolutely needs to be owned at anything 12 yes. or greater. And even in a 10-teamer, I think he's an acceptable tight end too to fill in if your guy's starting to underperform or you have bye weeks going coming up so he's actually had um at least five targets in both games five in week one ten in week two and in his rookie season last year in the 13 game slate he actually only did that three times he's already done it in both games this mm-hmm. year so that that's a good sign like to see that he's actually going to be consistently hit yeah and it, i believe his rookie season there was a few minor injury issues yeah. going on and of course just being a rookie in the national football league that's tough but one other thing i like about him is that detroit lions defense doesn't appear to have gotten any better since last year and they might have find themselves having to pass in, in quite a few situations which uh not only does that say good things for calvin johnson golden tate but guys like ebron as well could and maybe breakout seasons abdullah too at some point yeah <laughs> even though he hasn't done anything yeah, yet a, a, a little bit he's been he was viable week one i guess but, yeah, he was vi- you're right a but, little uh, bit viable. but since then he's going to be tough to rely on on a week-to-week basis i think but still probably an rb2 in my book uh not to get too far off topic here we'll move <laughs> on to crockett gilmore of the baltimore ravens our final tight end uh suggestion for the week five percent of yahoo leagues owned uh just 1.6 percent of espn leagues now early in drafts uh the deep league drafts that i did it almost seems like uh, the rookie, Max Williams, was getting uh, drafted earlier than Crockett Gilmore, but the targets and, and the chemistry and the distribution, I guess, overall seem to be leaning towards Crockett Gilmore so far. Am I right? Yeah, so we've already mentioned that Steve Smith's the main man. Forsett has 11 after him in terms of targets, and he's and Crockett Gilmore is actually tied with Kamari and with 10 targets so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... I would more want to take a wait and see approach unless I am in one of those deeper leagues and feel like I need to scoop him up now and, you know, hope, uh, you know, maybe when Gronk's out in week, week four, because he's on by then then the Baltimore matchup is viable and he's still like putting up numbers that he has already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right with you there. And, uh, especially like for some of the same reasons we mentioned with Kamar Aiken, uh, possibly the Ravens finding themselves a little bit more behind in games. Now, as far as fab, I wrote down four to six dollars for like all three of these guys, uh, but if you had to rank them, do you do it in the order we say, or do you go Ebron, Rogers, Gilmore, or, or Rogers, Ebron, Gilmore? I think the first two are, are, are kind of a toss-up, but maybe Ebron because he's getting more targets. It's really yeah, tough for me. I, I think the, if you look uh, in your league to see availability, uh, there's a chance that one of those two guys won't be available, so that makes the decision easy for you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, just knowing that Richard, I'm, I'm, we're both in Wisconsin. We're mostly in leagues with people from Wisconsin, and the fact that Richard Rodgers is a Packer probably means he's rostered in most formats. So I might only have access to Ebron. If I do have access to Rodgers, I'm probably still going Ebron though. Yeah, I can very much see that reasoning. Uh, we're starting to get, uh, get crunched for time here a little bit, but we're going to run through sure. quickly a couple kickers and defenses to uh, to look at this week. Now, Robbie Gold from the Chicago Bears, uh, very consistent fantasy option. I believe he's that franchise's all-time leading scorer. Yeah, he did he's, that in week one. Yep, right. He is, uh, yeah, week one uh, against the Packers, of course. Uh, but he's the number one fantasy kicker in standard scoring. Go out and pick him up now because that offense is just going to sputter and, and could be field goals galore, correct? Yeah, but the worry is they actually have to go to Seattle and play in CenturyLink Field. So I, I'm I'm worried with Jimmy Clausen running that offense, will he have any opportunities? But uh, Seattle has actually allowed six field goals already on the season. So you know maybe they do get a few drives going. They get in the you know field goal range three to four times, and he hits a you know a trio. Yeah, I think Robbie Gold should be pretty much owned in any kind of 12 team he's always kind of a fringe kicker in fantasy but he should get it done this week now what about Mike Nugent of the Bengals another one we kind of added on here this is mostly based on matchup though because the Baltimore Ravens have given up big games to kickers 18 to McManus and 15 to Janikowski so far this season right yeah and last year uh, 
the these two teams, uh, the Ravens and Bengals, have actually played close games, and Nugent has hit seven of eight. Fe- Nugent hit seven of eight field goals last year and only two of two extra points. So Baltimore was able to kind of stymie them and make sure they were only contained to field goals. So the matchup looks good from, uh, you know, recent trends. Now, speaking of these two teams playing against each other, Cincinnati and Baltimore, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals as the uh, recommended defense pickup this week, uh, only owned in 13% of Yahoo and 23% of ESPN league formats. They've been pretty turnover heavy this week. You like them against the Ravens? Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, so since he has two interceptions three fumble recoveries and six sacks total and that's going up against Oakland at Oakland and uh, against the Chargers at home so in their two matchups with the Ravens last season the Bengals actually won both games 23-16 and 27-24 so they were only giving up 20 points which is you know kind of breaking even with regard to that aspect but they were actually able to force four turnovers total and have four sacks so those those type of numbers are you know, a good sign that they'll actually be, you know, uh, you know, eight to ten range in terms of defensive points. And I know you and I are both big advocates for streaming defense defenses on a week to week basis. Yeah. But if this turnover pace uh, continues to uh, keep up, then who knows? The Bengals might be someone that you just hang on to and use consistently on a week to week basis. I don't know the exact numbers on the top of my head. But I know that I've seen a lot of stats where, uh, I don't know, 60 or 70 percent of the top 10 defenses at the end of at the, at the end of the season were never ranked that way at the start. There's always a lot of shuffle there, especially in the five to 10 range. So who knows? Bengals could end up being a almost every week starter in fantasy. And, and these percentages, 13 percent in Yahoo and 23 percent in ESPN are actually kind of surprising because they have a pretty stout secondary. They usually have a decent pass rush and they're always mm-hmm. they're almost always up there in turnover differential, too. So mm-hmm. I, I'm. I'm really surprised by the number but personally i don't even own them so i shouldn't be talking <laughs> yeah i don't believe i have them anywhere either but i might be looking because after a couple weeks you can start to see if these defenses have kind of turned out the way that you'd expected to and and uh especially if they have injuries personnel changes anything like that and if your defense has gotten blown up in the first couple of weeks and are costing you points it might be time to reevaluate that or position. you have casey's defense and they're going to be facing aaron Rodgers on monday yeah that could be a, uh, that's the, something i have I, to deal yeah. with oh yeah <laughs> see i'm not i'm not advocating dropping kansas city's defense but i don't think aaron Rodgers. i think aaron Rodgers has thrown something like 450 passes at home since his last interception there so don't really count on turnovers from kansas city defense this week yeah all right well thank you for listening to the road wire fantasy football podcast brought to you by draftkings.com the leader in daily fantasy sports remember to use the promo code rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today also check out rotowire for free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod that is rotowire.com slash pod once again i'm jake letarski you can find me on twitter at jakeski52 and over here, it's Eric Aturi, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. All right, the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast with Mike Doria and Nick Whalen will be back with you on Wednesday. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.